when we're in a relationship, oftentimes we make the relationship or our partner our home base. So we can't be okay if the relationship isn't okay. And the truth is we are our own home base. We are responsible for our own alignment, our own happiness. It's not that we don't care about our partner's happiness, but we can't be responsible for it. When we are in alignment, we're just pure love. Everything flows and our partner has to be responsible for his own alignment. You're listening to The Boundless Heart, the podcast empowering women into fierce self-love, independence, and equal partnership. I'm your host, Elsie, and I have brought on the amazing Dr. Terry Mack today to talk about the ways women sabotage themselves from experiencing the true love and intimacy they desire. Dr. Terry is a clinical psychologist, a celebrity relationship and dating coach, and host of the podcast Dear Dater, which I highly recommend. She has life experience of needing a relationship to feel fulfilled, and I've had a life experience of losing myself within relationships. We talk deeply about different aspects that you might recognize within yourself and how to start to overcome these things so that we can welcome in the love that is meant for us. Dr. Terry, you say that every relationship is a test. What do you mean by that? In my experience, I mean, the reason I do this work is because I've had my own really painful at times, rocky journey toward loving myself and through relationships. And what I learned finally is to see relationships through this lens where every relationship is giving us an opportunity to grow and heal in certain ways. So the universe keeps giving us the same lessons over and over again until we learn them. I mean, I didn't know that, you know, for the first half of my life. And when I started to understand that and see the lesson being presented to me, the test being presented to me um, in the form of partners and relationships, life got a whole lot easier. So that's what I mean by every relationship is a test. Now, when you say every relationship, do you mean the more romantic partner type relationship? Or are you talking about every single relationship in our lives? It can be every single relationship. I think romantic relationships tend to bring out our crazy, our neuroses, our, you know, those, the darkness, the wounds, the triggers more so than other relationships. And so they're a good place for us to look. But we can do the work in all of our relationships because the lesson isn't just usually related to the romantic relationships, whether it's boundaries or speaking our truth or learning how to receive. A lot of people stumble in their romantic relationships more than they stumble in other relationships. So it's all relationships, but the work that I do focuses on the the romantic love. Do you think that has a lot to do with hormones and culturally how we're basically conditioned into needing to find a mate and all of that? Yeah, definitely hormones play a role. I mean, the chemicals involved in the beginning of a relationship. And yes, I think there's cultural societal pressure on finding a mate. But I also think, listen, we're wired for connection and love. And many of us want to find a partner. And we've grown up 
with different models of what partnership looks like, marriage looks like, love looks like. And oftentimes those are not healthy models. So we, you know, we recreate these roles and these templates from childhood because that's what we know. And oftentimes those roles and templates are not healthy. They're not sustainable. And so we stumble until we figure out what needs to shift and change. I definitely relate to that. Yeah. I read your book called Every Relationship is a Test. I found it fascinating. You talk about eight primary ways that you have found through your work and probably in yourself as well, that women use protective mechanisms to basically cut themselves off from intimacy. And I'd love to go over those with you before we dive into each one. Why do you think women are using these protective mechanisms in general? Well, I want to say it's not just women, right? So even though I wrote the book for women, because I am a woman, and I understand women the most, I you know, the book is universal, it applies to men as well. When we are in romantic relationships, when we're in the dating world, we can either be coming from fear, or we can be coming from love. And most of the time, we are coming from fear. And we don't realize that. But our society is very fear-based, right? So we feel like we have to protect ourselves. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to screw things up. So we employ these protective mechanisms that we learned in childhood. Because in childhood, we learn how to feel two things, safe and loved in our families. And depending on who's in our family and the limitations of our parents or our caregivers, we learn very quickly how to be like how much we can show up, how much we can express, how much we have to caretake. And then we do that in all of our relationships, but especially our romantic relationships. So we're not going into these relationships trying to block love. We're just trying to relationship. And this is how we've learned how to do it. This is what love is for us. This is what it feels like. This is what we've seen modeled for us. So we're just showing up as this version of ourselves. We've learned that this is what love is, but oftentimes we're being very protected and we're employing these strategies that we think are keeping us safe and are going to get us love, but in actuality are blocking the receiving and the giving of love. That makes so much sense. And now I'm really excited to look at each of these ways. I know people will relate to at least one, two, maybe several of these The first is the critical woman. What is the critical woman doing to sabotage herself from experiencing that intimacy and love that she really wants? Yeah, so the critical woman is making her dates or her partners feel like they're not good enough. She's constantly zeroing in on faults. She's looking for faults. And the thing is, what we look for grows, right? Whatever we look for, we find. So the critical woman is looking for reasons why this person is not good enough. Really, the underlying fear there is that if they let someone get too close to them, they're going to get hurt. If they let somebody see who they really are, then they may not be accepted. Because the more critical we are of others is an indication of how critical we are of ourselves. So the critical woman's keeping somebody away, keeping a distance, saying, oh, you're not good enough. And then she blocks somebody from really being able to see her. I feel like that's a really deep sense of lack of self-worth. Yeah. And I remember my mom telling me with my first husband Mm. that you never put down 
because I was doing that, and this was a long time ago, so I can't even remember specific examples, but I do remember my mom approaching me and saying, you don't put your partner down. Mm, Absolutely. It's so important, right? Partnership is about building each other up and supporting each other, not enabling each other, not, you know, saying you're okay with things when you're not okay with things, but it's about looking for the good in the other person and expressing that. And that's such an important part of partnership. It really is. And I have experience with all of that spectrum. Yes, me too. (laughs) (laughs) The second way we sabotage ourselves is to be a judgmental woman. What are the main attributes of her and what is she afraid of? Yeah. So the judgmental woman is similar to the critical woman. The conscious belief is, or the conscious question is, are you good enough for me? Right. And when we go in with that kind of question, if we're looking again for somebody's flaws, we're going to find them and we're going to focus on them. And the underlying fear of the judgmental woman is I'm not good enough. So again, you pointed out the lack of self-worth, self-love. It's very present in the judgmental woman. She may not be as outwardly critical. She may not be as, you know, vocal about it or as abrasive or aggressive about it. But people really have to prove themselves to her. And that's not going to work in a dating relationship because we need to be, like I said before, we either come from fear or we come from love. When we're coming from fear, we're defensive, we're guarded, we're blocked off. We are not open to connection. And when we're coming from love, we see the best in people. We show the best in ourselves. And in order to do that, we have to know that there's good in us, right? So it it goes back to that self-love piece. This is opening my eyes so much. (laughs) There was a point in my life, again, it was in the past, but it was very clear. I remember saying, if someone wants to be with me, he's going to have to prove it. Mm. And I was pretty assertive in that, Uh, maybe Mm. aggressive in that. And Mm. I'm feeling how that was probably a bit of a judgmental aspect. Yeah, I think a lot of women, you know, when they're they start working on themselves, or maybe even before then, they have this view of like, men owe me something, he better step up to the plate, he better be this, he better do this, you know, like prove it. And that's, it's just not going to work. Because the truth is, nobody owes you anything. And you deserve everything. But it's up to you to give it to yourself. And when you're giving yourself what you're looking for from other people, that love, that attention, that validation, that understanding, that compassion, then you're just soft and open. You're not demanding. You're not looking to somebody else and expecting that they need to give you something because they don't. You just, you'll know if if you feel like you're being valued and if you feel good in the presence of somebody else. But that expectation is what can block connection. And a lot of women don't understand that. And I get it because I was that woman for a long time. I almost want to do a mic drop thing right there. But (laughs) the third is the inauthentic or the fake woman. What does she look like in a relationship or in, in dating? She just puts on a happy face. She just smiles. She doesn't want to be seen as dramatic or problematic. She wants to be seen as easygoing. You know, everything's good. My life is good. The problem with that is that 
if you can't be authentic and genuine and show the deeper levels of yourself, then connection cannot take place. So while it's good to be in gratitude and appreciation and to be happy and joyful, and hopefully you're cultivating practices that help you feel that way, to just put on that happy face, that may work for the first one or two dates, but after a while, there's nothing to hold on to, right? Like internally is where our magic is. That's where everything interesting is. And if you, if you can't show that there are deeper levels to you, that you've been through things, that sometimes you struggle, that you're not always in a good mood, then nobody's going to be able to relate to you. <laughs> and you're going to have a very, very superficial relationship. So the fear there is if you knew the real me, you wouldn't accept me. I'm too much. So you keep it very surface, which is just boring after a while. My whole life is being completely explained to me right now. (laughs) I am definitely what I would consider a people pleaser in recovery. Uh, Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Terry. You're welcome. Let's go on to the bitchy woman. Mm, That's opposite. (laughs) Yes. The bitchy woman is difficult. She's demanding. She has these super high standards. And the message that she sends is, she doesn't mean to send it, but what she sends, because everything is an issue, everything's a problem, is don't take me seriously. Because she has these super high expectations. She's demanding. She's keeping people at arm's length. And the fear there is, again, unworthiness. I'm not good enough. If I let you get close to me, I'm going to get hurt. I've worked with a number of these women and below that facade of like, oh, I need this just this way and this way and he better buy me this and he better pick me up in this and he better take me here is just a deep sense of unworthiness. And there's no vulnerability in that. And there are men that like that type of woman, but there's no connection. There's no deep connection and vulnerability in those relationships. So that kind of woman may end up in a relationship, but it's not ultimately going to give her what she wants, which is a feeling of being seen and heard and respected and taken seriously and loved. That makes so much sense. I do want to break here for one moment to invite everyone into my Facebook group. It is free and it's called Women Practicing Fierce Self-Love. Dr. Terry is in that group, so if you have any follow-up questions, I'm sure you can post and maybe tag her and she'll probably answer. Yes, I love your group. Everybody go find her Facebook group. It's amazing. And binge Dear Dater podcast because I have (laughs) and it's amazing. (laughs) Let's move on. Number five. This one I see myself in as well. The tough and or independent woman. Yes, yes. So these women send the message like, I don't need you because they don't want to be seen as needy because they fear that they can't really rely on somebody. So they send this message of I'm independent. I got my whole life in order. I can do everything on my own. I don't need anyone. I want someone. The problem with that is, again, there's no room to receive. There's no humanness. There's no openness and softness there. And the truth is, we do need other people, right? We do need other people. And this is something that I struggled with for a long time. And I feel like some women kind of vacillate because I used to be a woman that was super needy. All my 
self-worth came from other people and the intention and validation of specifically men, um, needing people to like me, needing people to love me. If I didn't have that, I felt empty. And then I went to the other extreme, which was, you know, I'm fine on my own. I don't need anybody or anything to complete me. And the pro- again, the problem is that there's rigidity in that. And when we are coming from love, everything is fluid. It's like, I do need people. I do need you. I do want a partner and need a partner to be with, right? And there's room for you and there's a place for you in my life. I think especially for men, if we talk about like the feminine masculine energy, men want to feel needed. And so for women, when we're sending that message, I don't need you, I've got all my ducks in a row, and I'll never need a man for anything. You're sending a message to a man that he doesn't really have a place. So you got to be real careful of that. That one feels like a pretty slippery slope to me. Mm. Speaking from my own experience in a past relationship with an insecure Mm. attachment, it was as if I was being begged to need him, but it wasn't that kind of need. It was a, I need you in order to feel whole and complete and enough and whatever it is. But the reality is we do need each other in a different way. Yeah. We don't want to be in a relationship where we feel we need somebody to feel complete or whole because the truth is we are whole on our own and that's our work to do to close that circle. And if we're with somebody who's saying, I need you to need me, again, that's coming from a place of fear. But we do want to be able to rely on our partners and have this interdependence, right? Where we rely on each other, we can lean on each other, we can trust each other, we can take turns being a safe place for each other. And on the other hand, we can also take turns being independent and we can have time apart and that's not threatening to the other person. Both are so important. Love that distinction. Thank you. Yeah. Number six is the I'm a mess woman. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. This was so me for so many years of my life. If you listen to my podcast, Dear Dater, the introduction episode kind of tells my story. And I looked for relationships to save me. And that's what I'm a mess woman does. Right? So she doesn't have her stuff in order. She doesn't have her life in order. In fact, she's probably using relationships, if not other things like food, alcohol, shopping, to avoid addressing the issues in her own life. She believes that a relationship will save her. And that is where she puts her focus. And the fear underneath that is I can't do it on my own. I don't trust myself. I can't rely on myself. I'm not whole on my own. You know, there's there's plenty of fears underneath that. And so what happens when we're that woman, we keep choosing partners, expecting them to save us. Nobody can save us. Nobody can do that work for us that we need to do. And so we just keep cycling through relationships, feeling disappointed and heartbroken. I definitely can see how that would be a vicious cycle. Yes. Then we'll move on to number seven, the only the facts woman. So this woman is similar to the inauthentic, superficial woman. So again, she does not get vulnerable. She talks about things instead of herself. It's constant small talk. The conversation are all centered around external things. And typically, she doesn't have a rich understanding of herself or her internal world. So she doesn't know how to share from that place. 
And so the message she sends that she doesn't mean to send is I'm boring. (laughs) Because when you can't, you know, speak on a deeper level about yourself, when you can't speak from that internal magical place, people get bored, there's nothing to hold on to. But the fear is, if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. Just the facts. It's a lot of just mundane conversation. You might do a lot of things together. You might go out and have a lot of cool dates, but you don't get to know that woman on a deeper level. And then typically she feels disappointed when things don't materialize after a few dates. You know, men lose interest. Not saying I'm perfect, but I do feel like I've been on the other side of that one some. Yeah. (laughs) And what is that like to be with a man who like can't share from a deeper place? One, it is boring. That is a good word. But it's also infuriating in a way. (laughs) Yes. All I want is a connection. And it's just not happening. No, connection cannot happen without vulnerability. As you know, because I know you talk about that. Vulnerability is the essential ingredient to connection, which is what we are all seeking in our romantic relationships. We want to be seen and heard. But if we're not vulnerable, we're not giving anyone the chance to see or hear us. Exactly. (laughs) 100%. It's our responsibility to show who we are so we can be seen for who we are. I love that. Right. Yeah. Number eight, the economically dependent woman. Again, no judgment, but there are women who use relationships as a way to, as a means to an end, right? So they only date wealthy men. They only date men who can take care of them financially. And, you know, I've worked with a number of those women. And in the beginning, it's great because they feel safe financially. The message that the financially dependent woman is sending, sometimes even consciously, is, you know, I can't support myself. I need you to support me. And the fear underlying that is I can't support myself. I can't do this on my own. And so while that works in the beginning, sometimes of a relationship, like it oftentimes isn't spelled out that clearly, what happens is those women who are in relationships for the financial gain of it, not always just that, but that's a big part of it. Those women often start to feel unfulfilled, unhappy, because there's often a power differential there. That's just not going to work long term. And so for those women, what I work with them on is, is this what you want? And how can you find power in yourself? Is this the kind of relationship that you want to be in? Or is there a way that you can step into your own power in your own life and support yourself so you can find an equal partner? And the answer to that is often mixed. Yep. Life is a little bit messy sometimes, all the time. (laughs) Yep. Yep. You said the magic words there, equal partner. I love those words. They were brought to my attention very recently after my recent divorce. Here is a really big question for myself, and I believe a lot of the listeners will Mm -hmm. resonate with this as well. As I was reading through those eight ways that women tend to sabotage themselves from experiencing the true love that they want, I was like, okay, where's me? Where's me? And trust me, I resonated with a lot of those. What do you think about women who are over-identified with the healer archetype? Yes. If I would have written that book this year, I would have had a ninth type of woman, what I call the over-functioner which is the woman who steps in and tries to fix her partner, tries to love her partner and finding like filling in the blanks for him. How can I help? How can I heal? 
She does the work of the emotional connection in the relationship. She's learned that she has to work for love. And a lot of us have learned that, especially women. And that is a habit that I have been working to heal my whole life. I feel like maybe have made the most progress on that this year more than ever. I feel like I might be free of that pattern for the first time in my life, which is a freaking miracle. Um, But yeah, learning that receiving is such an essential part of a healthy partnership. And that oftentimes for women who are in this overfunctioning role, learning how to sit on their hands and bite their tongue when they could step in to help, when they could step in to, you know, fix something, when they could bring up an issue, but instead creating space for the other person to give, to problem solve, to be creative, to bring things up. And there's such magic in that space of not doing anything. For these women, the belief is my worth is tied to what I give and how I help. And somebody needs to need me for them to love me. And the fear is really that, that my worthiness is tied to what I give. Dr. Terry is telling my story for the world to hear. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm not alone. That's really one of the main reasons I started this podcast. Mm. You said it before, equal partnership. We all deserve equal partnership. We all are worthy of equal partnership. And it starts from within. Mm -hmm. It starts with allowing ourselves to heal. I mean, you know more about this than I do. (laughs) So I don't know about that. Well... You have more experience in the field of helping others through these things than mm-hmm. I do. I have a lot of life experience and I'm willing to share it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Every relationship is a test. How do we pass these tests? Or is it even something to quote unquote pass? Yes. Uh, the way that I see it, we do pass tests. Or we don't. And that's okay. We just stay there and we'll get more of the same test, right? And the way that we pass the test... First is to understand what is the lesson? What is the test? Because when you start to get clear on that, then you see it when it's happening. So for instance, an old test of mine, one of my big areas of work, and every chapter in this book covers a very specific area that most women struggle with, like one of these big 10 areas. So mine was boundaries. One of the areas, I had several. So I had a bunch of relationships with men who I needed to have better boundaries with. I needed to say, I don't like that. That doesn't work for me. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not going to tolerate that. And I didn't. And once I became aware that that was my work, I started speaking up more and I started walking away from relationships that were not respectful, were not emotionally safe. So The way that you pass a test is you have the awareness of, okay, what does my work look like? It looks like in this case, if somebody does something that is disrespectful to the relationship or to me or makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to say something or I'm going to walk away or whatever I need to do in that moment. I'm not going to stay around and tolerate it. I'm not going to ball my eyes out and ask for him to change. Do you know what I mean? And then you do it. And the thing is, it's going to be uncomfortable to pass 
these tests. It's going to, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's going to be terrifying. You're not going to want to do it in the beginning because you want to do what's familiar, even though you know it doesn't lead to anything good. And so when you lean into the uncomfortable and you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak up or I'm going to walk away, even though I'm scared. You move on to the next level. It's like you get rewarded every single time. This rings so true to me. And isn't it almost essential to have some kind of support, some kind of group that understands you and will have your back, a therapist who's seen Mm -hmm. these patterns and others that can bring their wisdom and their experience to the table for you as well to relate to and to walk through. Yes. (sighs) You definitely need somebody or some people who know what your work is. Because if you're just going to your friends, they're going to give you really shitty advice. Not because they're bad people. They love you very much and they're trying to help. But they're going to give you advice based on their own stuff. So you need a coach, a therapist, a friend who knows what your work is and where you struggle and what it looks like when you're leaning in to the new thing so they can encourage you. Absolutely. And are you one of the options for people? If they're (laughs) listening and they're like, Dr. Terry, I need you. How can they find yes. you? Yes. So I don't do therapy anymore, but I do do coaching. Basically, I help women understand what their blind spots are, what their specific work is, what their tests and lessons are. And then we just drill into those, you know, and the thing is, like, once you commit to this work, the universe just like jumps into action on your behalf. So I always tell women, like, just be ready. Do not commit to this work or sign up for it if you're not ready to see things happening and see big change and to get a lot of what I call growth opportunities, which sometimes really suck. (laughs) You know, they suck because you're like, oh, man, I know what I need to do here. Okay, I'll do it. So you can find me at drterrymack.com or on Instagram at drterrymack. Perfect. And I'll link that all up in the show notes. If you're in a healthy relationship, is that still a test or is that your award for getting through the tests and passing the tests. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the tests never end. And that's Uh the thing, right? Our growth, our expansion, our refinement continues. So we never reach a destination. And so if you are in a healthy relationship with a loving partner, life is a constant flow of ups and downs. So the test for you, for all of us really, is how do I stay in alignment with my true and highest self, which at the core for everyone is really just pure love. So as life throws us these curveballs and these opportunities to grow and lean in and refine ourselves into like the most purest form of love, can we do that work? And nobody's perfect. So sometimes we get out of alignment with our true self and our highest self. And so the work is always to get back there. And when we're in a relationship, oftentimes we make the relationship or our partner our home base. So we can't be okay if the relationship isn't okay. And the truth is we are our own home base. We are responsible for our own alignment, our own happiness. It's not that we don't care about our partner's happiness, but we can't be responsible for it. When we are in alignment, 
we're just pure love. Everything flows. And our partner has to be responsible for his own alignment. That is so good. And when you're pure love, that means you accept everything, including yourself, including the other person, and including whether or not that relationship is healthy. Yes. Yeah, there's no fear. So if something isn't aligned anymore, you can let it go or you can talk about it and see what happens. You don't cling. You don't stay somewhere that isn't aligned anymore because of fear. You let things flow. So liberating. Wow. Mm -hmm. Dr. Terry, is there any last bit of wisdom or anything popping into your head right now that just feels like it wants to come out before we head off mic and answer some community questions? Yeah, I think the one thing that I want women to understand is that because some women come to me and they've, they feel like they've given up or they feel really doubtful, like maybe I'm just meant to be single, you know, because their relationship history has just been so heartbreaking or disappointing or rocky or confusing or non-existent. And what I always say, and what I want every person to hear is what you long for, what you yearn for is meant for you. If you want love, if you want a romantic partnership or marriage or children or whatever that is, it's because you're supposed to have it. Like your soul knows what's on your highest path. And all you have to do is get out of your own way and start to understand what your tests and lessons are, what your work is, how you need to grow, shift, heal, show up differently. Because if we want our relationship path to change, we need to change. And that's just the truth. It starts with us. But once you realize that, how powerful you are, and you can have exactly what it is you want, the whole world starts to open up and life starts to get really fun because you start to see all these tests and lessons being presented to you. And you know how to pass them. Yes, yes. (laughs) Wow, thank you so much, Dr. Terry. Let's head off the mic. And if I'm talking into your ears right now, that means, yes, you, I'm talking to you. What we talk about off the mic is how to not project our past traumas onto our new relationships. Dr. Terry talks about her current relationship and how she got there. And we talk about my current position in life after a recent divorce, how I got there and now what to do with it. Yes, I let Dr. Terry analyze me a little bit. It's a little juicier than the rest of the episode, and it is part of a greater community of women who are working on themselves to prevent (laughs) themselves from getting into any kind of partnership that's not a real partnership, because we're basically conditioned to be taken advantage of. When we learn our patterns, when we see them, and if we really want to change the way other people show up around us, we show up differently in the world. That's what the inner circle is all about, and I truly hope you join me there. Either way, until next time, stay true to you. And don't give